Ante Up is your poker magazine dedicated to the everyday player and their poker rooms. Pick up a free copy at your favorite poker room nationwide each month. But Ante Up is much more than a magazine. Visit AnteUpMagazine.com daily for breaking news and each week download our award-winning poker cast. Join us on our action-packed poker cruises to exotic destinations. Ante Up, it's your poker magazine. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's February 17th, 2017. You're listening to the best PokerCast on the planet. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. Hey, did you have a good Valentine's Day? Uh, I spent it with John Bon Jovi, so it could have been worse. You did go to that show. I wondered. I wondered if you went. Yeah, and I'll tell you, this is the frustrating thing about uh, my concert life now, is because now I'm so used to going to smaller shows and being right up front, crushing the stage, right? Right. Um, and a lot of them were festivals with band after band after band, and uh, I, I just can't do these arena shows anymore. Um, now, granted, I, I got the, the only reason I went is I couldn't find anybody to go with me, so I got to decided to get a cheap ticket the last minute. It was $19. Whoa. Before fees, it was $597,000 after fees. <laughs> Plus the $80 to park, one beer, and popcorn. But, oh, you know, man. but otherwise, it was a $19 concert, right? And I'm like, <laughs> I can't pass up seeing Bon Jovi for $19 plus $27,000. Um, but I literally was in the second to last row of the top level, as far away from the stage as you possibly could be. <laughs> wow. So I think that was part of the reason that I didn't quite enjoy the uh, the show as much as I thought. But uh, but yeah, I just think they I don't want to say they lost something, but I'm just um, I don't know. It didn't it didn't Bon Jovi me like the last time I went to see him on the wishes to me. See, I was I was in the second to last row to see Van Morrison, but it was at Ruth Eckert Hall, so I mean yeah, I can really I can still see the wart on his neck, you know, because it was pretty intimate, much different than uh, than what you went through. But, oh, trust uh, me, I could see the ward on John. Bunch, <laughs> the big screen that was hanging right in front. That's of right. Page, yeah, so, the big but. screen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yes, that was my Valentine's Day. So thank you for asking. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, I, I didn't get your flowers, so yeah, they uh, they wilted, so I didn't send them. I got them off of a gravesite. Uh, so Gene and I went to like a local Italian place and had a good time. And not uh, Casa Casenza, I hope. No, no, not that, not that yeah, place. Yeah, I, I went there once and I'm done. So we're not we're not related, so I can say that. So <laughs> I always enjoy these shows because these are the shows that I get to pull Scott Long's fat out of the fire. Ooh, yeah. And save the show from ruin. Well, I need to, I need to lose five more pounds so I don't lose my thousand dollars. <laughs> that's diet. right. That's right. So. Pull as much fat out of that fire as you like. <laughs> uh, a few months back, uh, Scott came up with the idea of asking me five poignant questions to, be- to get to better, you know, know me better, but. Uh, I said, all right, Scott, I'll, someday in the future I'll do one upon you. And, and uh, in a panic, Scott emails me last night. And he's like, I got nothing for the show. What are we going to do? I said, oh, I know what we'll do. I'll ask Scott five questions that are going to hold his feet to the fire next to the fat that's burning in there right now. I mean, know these references, but I'm just rolling. I know. Are you, are you nervous at all? I'm never nervous. Never nervous. As I mentioned, I'm the gregarious host. So. That's true. That's true. Trust me. And I'm also I've been uh, running for office for the last month and a half. 
So it's, I've already been grilled on a daily basis. So it's interesting that you bring that up because <laughs> that is our first question. Uh, Scott Long, we all know that you are uh, very much into politics, the history of politics. Um, if you could hold any office in the land, other than city commissioner, which we know you're going to win because in a landslide. <laughs> but what office would that be and why? Well, I think it's almost a too easy a question, right? I mean, why would you not say president? Would you expect me to say something other than that? I'm sorry, are you asking me the questions on the show, or am I asking yes, you yeah, the questions? Actually, this is the great thing. You are not turning it around on me, I'm Kellyanne Conway. No, no, no. Sorry, Kellyanne. You don't get to do that. I'm asking you, so would it be president and why? Uh, it would be. I mean, why, why, why would you not? Uh, I'm not asking your question here. I'm rhetorically answering your question. Why would you not want to be the most powerful mm. man in the world? Okay, and all the pomp and circumstance that came from it, and uh, and plus, I, I would have uh, you and Mark and Doctor Frank and Faso and everybody over to the Lincoln bedroom for a card game, you know, once a month or so. Yep, yep. You have to fly our butts it's up. Kind of funny there, that yeah. I have more time to to play poker with you guys when I'm president <laughs> than when you're an actual <laughs> publisher of a poker magazine. Uh, but no, I mean, obviously, there's lots of offices that I'd like to hold. For anybody that's into politics, I think that's that's kind of that's the one you want, right? Well, I'm glad you didn't say like NFL commissioner or commissioner of fantasy football or something like that. I'm glad you stuck to actual oh, politics. I, I do. I'm glad you stuck to that. Well, because you like to be funny sometimes. I wanted to see. Oh, okay. I didn't know if you had those kind of aspirations. Like if it would be because that's that's a stressful job. I mean, you're already great. What happens then? You turn white after the first year, like a oh, president? Just falls out. You know? Yeah, you just go bald. So I guess I'd, I'd like to see that. Fifteen dollars every three weeks I spend on the hair. <laughs> All right, that's good, I guess. I, I thought you might have had some sort of shocking answer. I thought you might want to be like agriculture or something, you know, who knows. But, uh, yeah, all right, president, I, I guess. Much, I don't know much about corn. All right, so what is your favorite poker moment? And by that, I mean it could be raking in a pot, winning a tournament, a result that happened in history, anything. Out of all of the poker-related things that have happened to you or that you've witnessed or heard about, what is your favorite poker moment in life? Wow, or witnessed or heard about. So not, not in, intimately involved. In right. It could be anything that just, when you think of that, it just makes your day. Or when it happens to you, that's like your favorite thing about poker. Mm. All right. Well, I'm going to change the question, Killian Conway style. I'd <laughs> uh, say that uh, I think it's a better question to say something I was involved in. So it's still the right answer. Right? Well, I said it could be any of those it things. It could be anything, right? Yes, but, you know, anything. It's a word, anything. It's a lot of pressure to say anything because that's a lot of, a lot oh, of things. I, uh, I told you it's pressure. No, um, I, I think this would be my answer regardless. Would be uh, when I won my first uh, tournament at uh, Thunder Valley. Ah, I wondered if that was it. I, it was I put that on. It was very late at night, and uh, I was flying home the next day, and um, there's just sense, a sense of accomplishment to actually win a an event in an actual series. You yeah. One of the tournaments before, you know, daily tournaments and things like that. Not that that's not exciting, but but that one, you know, when they, when they bring out the camera and take a picture and... Just, you know, it's the next next level of excitement in terms of that, and uh, hopefully I'll win more at some other point. Well, I mean, I have one more, but hopefully I'll win bigger ones at some point, and maybe that'll change. But I think I'm always going to remember that because I remember getting to the airport the next morning and posting. I had like a funny Facebook post of like, you know, hey, when my wife wakes up, somebody remind, uh, let her know that I just won this tournament last night. <laughs> 
$1,100 or whatever life-changing amount of money it was. <laughs> <laughs> Runner-up would be the first tournament that I played in where I cashed, and uh, I used that money to buy a mailbox, which, I don't know, I think... Oh, yeah, you've told that story. ...any innovation before. It's yeah, like, yeah. No, but that one's been eclipsed, I think, by the... Because I can, I can visualize the picture, you know? Yeah. And uh, thanks to um, I forgot magazine that ran, maybe it was Andy Epperson. <laughs> it's immortalized uh, now. <laughs> but, you know, again, going back to the, everything that we're trying to do here at Andy Up, this is what we've always been trying to accomplish, right, is, is make the uh, the regular average Joe people feel special. And right. That was a moment where I felt special as an average Joe. So I think that I can, I think I can find a better moment for you. I, I can improve upon that moment. It was it was the moment after you won that tournament and you texted the winning photo to me. <laughs> I think you love that moment more. Texting me the photo that you won the horse tournament in our own Annie Poker Tour event at Thunder Valley. I think that moment you were like, This is great, but wait, wait till I send this to Chris, it's gonna rub it in and he's gonna oh he's gonna kill himself. <laughs> now I will say I probably should have come up with something with the company because that's probably a bigger well not probably it totally is a bigger deal but yeah but no but i mean that's not what i'm looking for i'm just looking for it was a moment but you know i'm also as you mentioned i'm a big history buff right so mm -hmm. i like things that are that, that have some kind of historical record to them right yeah and i've always thought that you know if, if this thing actually keeps going or whatever and somebody goes back years from now and does a uh, steve jobs like profile of us right <laughs> There's no pictures of us in the garage creating any up, right? Because <laughs> right. we, we work at different houses and, you know, not, not no pictures of us in, like, 70s garb and big beards and mustaches <laughs> holding up, like, the, the first issue that we pasted together with whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah. So uh, so that's that's missing from the historical record. So uh, whereas winning that tournament, we have a photo. That There's a picture of me winning a RAS tournament at Daytona that predates your... Horse thing, so we could use that too, you know. It doesn't have yeah, to always have true. just you in it. <laughs> Jeez. Gonna ego the size of the great outdoors. All right, question number three. Be, by the way. You can play poker with three people, real or fictitious. Uh, real or fictitious. Who are they and why? Live or dead? Yep. Or real or fictitious, alive or dead. Why? Three. See how I made this question three, too? That was, like, in intended there. Yeah. All right. Well, it's a poker show, so I'm going to go with a poker person for the first one. Okay. And I'm say Stu Unger. Excellent. I just think it would be amazing to watch him play. Um, and, of course, we're playing with your money, not mine. Right? Yes, so that's correct. Don't have to worry about That's correct. The money, which is yep. going um, All right. Next one has to be historical. It would be most fascinating to Hmm, I'm going to go with Abe Lincoln. Abe Lincoln. I don't know what kind of poker player he would have been. I suspect probably a good one. But I think it would be just fascinating to pick his brain, talk to him a little bit. Abe Lincoln and Stu Unger. Um, all right, and then this can't be a sausage fest, so... I need a, <laughs> Mimi Rogers. And then need a... Uh, a woman for the third one here. I mean, obviously, Kate Winslet's at the top of my uh, list of five, but is that the right choice? Hmm. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to go with number two on my list of five, because I think she'd be more fun at the poker table, and that's uh, Connie Britton. Oh, really? Yes. 
Huh. She just seems like she would be fun at the table, wouldn't she? Yeah. So let me ask you this. What is it that you know Connie Britton from? Is it Friday Night Lights? Is it American Horror Story? Or is it Nashville? What do you like her from? All of those things. You watch <laughs> all, all I mean, you watch those shows? Oh, yeah. I've watched all three of those shows. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, wow. Jeannie yeah, watches Nashville. Original, uh, Friday Night Lights movie, too. She played the wife, too. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So Connie Britton. Is- and um, where I first saw her, Spin City. Remember that show? Michael yeah. What, so was it when Jay Fox was on or was it when Charlie Sheen was on? Yeah, she was on the entire... She was. I didn't know that. I didn't. I didn't watch that show. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So basically, you've just sent the Annie Up Nation into an uproar with those three people. I, uh, I, I can only imagine people are going to be like, I think we should post this on like PokerRadius.com and say who their three would be and what they think of your three because that's no, absolutely no. I, that'd be a fascinating discussion to have. Wow, that's something. I never. I mean, I, Abe Lincoln actually came to my mind when I thought about who you would pick. Then I thought maybe you might pick someone like Richard Nixon to see how good he really was or something like that. But I knew oh, yeah. it was going to be a president. There's a it's a tough decision on president. I mean, from a, if it's a poker game or if we're talking purely poker, then it might be like Harry Truman. Right, Truman. I think it would buck. be more fun. But I'm looking at the opportunity just to talk to somebody I had so, or somebody I had wanted to talk to. Okay. All right. Very interesting answers. But yeah, hey, any president would be fine. Okay. I'm not going to get picky here in the stream. <laughs> here we go. Uh, question number four. You have the power to erase the invention of one poker game from history. It'll never come up again. It'll never be invented. It'll never be played again. Which game is it and why? <laughs> <laughs> oh, hmm. Hmm. <laughs> you see, I knew I would stump you with some of these. I'm going to say baseball. Ooh. That's representative of all of those stupid games that a lot of people cut their teeth on that are not poker. But people think they're poker. Would it be no peak baseball, too? Would that be all, all in there, right? Baseball all baseball variations. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. No, I just, uh, you know, hey, it, it's, again, we talk about average Joes and stuff, so poker needs to be fun and, you know, that's a little snobbish of an answer, I guess, for me because people enjoy playing those games and it's fun and you get together with guys and stuff. But it's it's not poker, and so from a uh, business perspective, and I'm listening here is a business person in some sense in terms of wanting the poker industry to be better, right? Um, it would be better if people cut their teeth on games that they could actually play in a casino. Yeah. And then not say, oh, yeah, I like to play poker. Okay, great. Why don't you come uh, Wednesday night? And they show up Wednesday night, and then and they'll find Omaha and Raz and pineapple and watermelon or whatever that is. And uh, this guy's like, hey, I, I, I just, you know, know night baseball. <laughs> <laughs> and then they, that's when you find out, hey, you don't really know poker, right? And then you don't play again. So, you know, if you can wipe that off, then everybody's going to start with Hold'em or something like that. And then, you know, they can grow into the other games. Nice. So just follow the queen a close second to your... Yes, exactly. <laughs> Roll your own. <laughs> uh, I don't think it's snobbish. I mean, I, I can see what you're saying is that there's not a lot of skill involved when you end up with 14 cards at the end of the hand because you've got a pair of fours on the board showing and you've got seven of a kind because you've got three threes and a nine in your hand. You know what I mean? It, it, I understand. You're not being a snobbish. You're just saying you're not really playing poker. You might as well just make everything wild and... And, and just see who makes yeah, the most first. Between baseball and like Uno, or and I love Uno, so I'm not, not dissing on that. But I, it's just not poker. It's, right. it's a 
fun social game for a night. Right, sense. right. So it's not poker. Have you ever played poker with Uno cards? Man, it's awesome. <laughs> it's really awesome. I would want to draw four card every time. Yes. That would make your hands much stronger. With yes, it. and then you you know you can make flushes because of the colors. You can make oh, it's just it's oh man. Do that when you're hopped up on skunkweed, man. You're gonna love that game. <laughs> I gotta tell you, that is some game to play. Right, so the last one, if you could do it all over again with Annie up, what would you do differently and why? Ooh, I'm assuming it's not politically correct to say don't do it, Chris Casenza. Uh, you can say whatever you want. <laughs> um, wow, that's actually a question I probably shouldn't have had an answer ready for. You would think. Well, the the obvious answer, and I'll give you a better answer, but the obvious answer is done it sooner. Yes, that's the obvious answer. All right, that's what I tell people all the time. Is, yes. You know, I, you know, you got these people like, I've got no regrets in life. You know, shut up. Right. Exactly. Regrets, right? Of course you do. Absolutely. <laughs> but uh, so when I when I tell people, well, I've got no regrets, but <laughs> yeah, uh, it would be uh, that 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 really we should have done it earlier. Now, um, some people, including my wife, will say, hey, including myself, I would say, had we done it earlier, we might not have been successful at it. So it's also a, um, you know, be careful what you wish for scenario, right? True. So if that uh, Barbara Eden jumped out of the little bottle that I got off of the sand after my uh, rocket uh, crashed, (laughs) pick up on that reference. Of course. 50 years ago. Um, and I said, yeah, let's start Annie up five years earlier. And she blinked her eyes, and then now we're, uh, you know, I... I'm, Penny listen, back working for the Times. Yeah, I'm at scraps. people driving the forklift uh, <laughs> and hoping you and Faso can come over so we can play a 10-cent, 25-cent baseball <laughs> at night, then it'd be a little bit different. But, uh, but yeah, obviously, I mean... Once once we did this and made it work and everything, you know, you go back and my gosh, not not how much of our life we wasted. I'm not one of those kind of people, but how much more fun it would have been in life had we started five years ago. I mean, I mean, where else in the world would I have been by now? With right. All the travel I had to do by this if we started this five years earlier. Yeah. So but, I guess that's the easy answer. I promised a better answer. So let me think better answer. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> I'm going to have to take these homes out when I edit the show later. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say we should have sponsored a college bowl game. <laughs> I don't know how we would have done it, but I think that would have been pretty cool to watch Western Michigan Tech and Ohio Valley Nursing School <laughs> meet on the field with 27 people in the stands and an ESPN television contract to play in the Annie Up Bowl. <laughs> Where are we finding money to do that? Well, that's what I said. I don't know what that is, but, you know, your regrets doesn't have anything to do with numbers. Money, right? Yeah. <laughs> I re- I, so I regret uh, not asking the NCAA for uh, us to have an Annie Apple. No, they would have said, no, you're crazy. What are you talking about? But <laughs> It sounds like the... I'm not asked, so we don't know, right? It's like there's a, the San Diego County Credit Union Bowl game, Poinsettia Bowl, you know. That's what I'm saying. So if they can afford one, maybe we can scratch together <laughs> enough money for it. Who knows? All right, so your biggest regret for the company is that we didn't sponsor a bowl game. All right, very good. No, I agree with you, though. I think the obvious answer is there. We should have done it sooner. We could have been happier a lot sooner in life. But, uh, yeah. So those are my five questions for you. 
Not bad, not, not bad. Not bad, not bad. I think this should be like a thing we should do every year, like see how it updates and have different questions. So you just keep getting to know us, you know, as they further along. If just five different questions, five questions you can come next time. Five different questions for Scott and five different questions for Chris. Or we let the, the readers and listeners come up with them. Yeah. You know, right. questions that you want to know. And if we, you know, we'll weed them out. We're not going to get too personal. But if they ask us stuff they want to know, you know, maybe we'll do it. But uh, that was fun. That was good. Well, I'll promise you we will always do it every time less than 24 hours before the show. We have nothing <laughs> There you go. Well, it's nice to have it in the can so that we can, like, go to that when we have to, you know. You know, it's funny. I don't own any cans with stuff in it. I do. beer. Oh, man, of course. So I love I love these uh, old-fashioned – it's almost like watching a 1920s movie talking to you. I know, I know. Oh, put it in the can. <laughs> you never kept me alive, cowboy, you see? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, any updates? The dates have been set for our 2017 Annie Up World Championship, July 20th to August 6th, and our Annie Up NorCal Classic, October 17th to the 22nd, both at Thunder Valley Casino Resort. For more details on these and all Annie Up Poker Tour events, visit AnnieUpPokerTour.com. Also, listeners have flooded us with Hands of the Week, which we really appreciate. But we're still in need of some listener spotlights and call the fours. So email us at podcast.antiupmagazine.com or post in the Antiup group discussions at pokerradius.com. Speaking of spotlights, each week we spotlight a listener who emails us at podcast.antiupmagazine.com. And if they haven't won something from us in the past year, just like we do with Call the Floor and Hand of the Week, we send them something cool. This week's prize is a setup of J-Design playing cards, the official playing cards of Antiup Poker Cruises, Available at ClassicPlayingCards.com. This is Stephen Wilson. Normally I play uh, poker on Wednesday afternoon at a local tribal casino, and I listen to the Annie Up podcast on the way. Thank you. I listened to the first part of last week's podcast. Was it really last week's? Nah, All right. On, on the way over, but stopped before the O'Malley segment. We play a 1-2 blind 200 spread game. During this game, I was sitting in a small blind, and after several limps... The button raised to $12. I called with 5-5, five, five, and the cutoff called. The flop was 10-6-5, rainbow. I checked. The cutoff bet $20. The button called, and I raised to 50 The cutoff raised to 120 and the button folded. Unlike all the others, I had no experience with this player. He was new to our game. Did he have 10-10 or 6-6? 5-6? 3-4? Six, six? Seven eight, ace ten, even four seven. The cutoff had about three hundred and fifty dollars left, and I had him covered. I knew it was a fold or shove situation. After tanking for several minutes, uh, with the sinking feeling that I was in set over set situation, I finally made the wrong decision and raised two hundred more. He re-raised, and we got it all in. He turned over ten ten. The turn was an ace. The river was the case five. Driving home last evening, I listened to O'Malley's move and knew that if I had heard it on the way to the casino, I would have made the, quote, correct call uh, and folded. But I was lucky, didn't hear it, made a bad play, and then got really lucky hitting the one-outer. Keep up the good work. Despite my play yesterday, I do learn from your podcasts. <laughs> well, I think the most important part of this letter is he learned from our podcast by not listening to the By podcast. not listening to it, which is hilarious. <laughs> Uh, it reminds me of the hand I had, and I was in the exact same situation as the guy he beat. I had 10-10. You and I were at the Beau Revage. Remember that? 
Oh, yeah, yeah. And I had 10-10, and a guy just sat at the table, never saw him before, never played with him yet. I raised to like 15 or 20. He calls. Flop comes 10-6-3. I bet he raises. I re-raise. He shoves. I obviously call. He turns over 3-3. Three, three. The turn is a 3. So now he's made that horrible decision like you did, got rewarded for it, and I need either the case 10 or I need the nine of spades to come for the biggest bad beat like in their history. And uh, no, the ten, the ten of spades. I mean, I need specific. I need the case ten to be the ten of spades, so we had the biggest bad beat in their history. And then it was the nine of spades. And we all jumped out of our seats, and I was I jumped out because I was ticked off and lost like two hundred and fifty bucks on that hand. But uh, very similar. It's hard to get away from set over set. You know, you, it really is. It's really difficult. Um, I know O'Malley did it on that segment. That was just a little while ago, if not like last week. But uh, it's not easy, man. It's not easy to get away from set over set. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not going to fault him at all, and uh, obviously I, I don't think he really cares. <laughs> no, he's he's happy as hell. That's a lot of money he's got in that, that game there. But, you know, i also say this is, uh, and again, obviously we are not a American Poker War nominated podcast, <laughs> so um, no one listens to us for great strategic advice, correct? Right. Uh, but I'll say this is kind of why I like poker, right? is because sometimes you do make these right decisions and get rewarded. Um, and as much as it hurts, sometimes you make the right decision decision and it doesn't work out. Right. But that's that's why we play the game, right? I mean, there's so many games that, you know, I, I think we talked about this show, I've started playing backgammon on my phone. I mean, I'm against anybody, just a stupid computer who still kicks me all the time. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it, it's essentially a solved game, right? So, I mean, you know all the right moves to make from the start, and then after that, you know, only if you're really bad like me do you make bad moves. Um, but it passes the time for me, right? But it, it's not... I don't wake up in the morning, I'm like, gosh, i got to schedule an hour backgammon today. Can't really right. play it. Right. But i, I got to get this, these last two stories to Chris so I can play backgammon all night, right? <laughs> uh, where, in the past, uh, poker would do that for me, and I think a lot of our... Uh, um, our listeners would agree, and that's why I say when you go to the casino, it's not about winning or losing, even though obviously we want to come away with more money. Um, you know, if you go there just to truly enjoy this game, you're always going to enjoy it. Um, you, know, you might be upset for a time period if you lose your stack on something like this, but you're going to go back. I don't know too many people that have a really bad beat and then just leave the game. Because it's just got such a pull, so you come back for it. So, yeah, yeah. You know, so sometimes you're going to make a bad decision; it's going to work out. Sometimes you're going to make a good decision; it's not. So just remember that when you make the good decision, <laughs> and it doesn't work out, that there have been times in your life, Stephen, when you've made the bad one and it has worked out. That's so. right. Yeah, look at you getting all philosophical on us. Yeah, you know, Socrates here. Wow. You know, or, I don't know. <laughs> Find yourself in a situation at our favorite poker room or home game, and you're not sure what the proper ruling should have been. Email us at podcast at antiupmagazine.com. We'll have Hollywood Casino Toledo Director of Poker Elliot Schechter tell you how he would have ruled. This is Bob Kraft. He says, I do not mean to be paranoid, but why are they recording my driver's license number when I register for a $100 tournament with a player's club card? How is that information used? Can I decline to give it? What are my rights to privacy in a poker room? Also, poker vlogging is getting out of control. What are the rules for videoing at the table? How do I express my displeasure with my image being broadcast across the globe? All right, first of all, Bob, before we get to what Elliot says, uh, this is a little tip for all you writers out there. If you start anything by saying, I do not mean to be paranoid, <laughs> you're telling us, I am completely paranoid. 
It's like, so if you don't I, want us to think that, don't I don't, I don't have any regrets. Right. But. <laughs> but. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ellie says, uh, uh, one, I have to assume that you had to show your driver's license to get the club card in the first place. If that is the case, producing your number again should not be a major concern as the poker room can get your ID data from the player tracking system. They're probably asking for your driver's license number to save them the trouble of using the tracking system. My guess is that they are complying with the policy set by the casino's money laundering compliance department. With regard to personal information, casinos are held to the exact the same exact laws and standards as banks. The consequences to casinos for not being careful with player info are severe and expensive. Uh, two, the rules covering Twitter, Instagram, and the like vary widely from casino to casino. If you don't want to become part of someone's video, feel free to speak up to the player and to the supervisor. Poker supervisors will usually be helpful and try to comply with your preferences. In most cases, the social media butterfly will be asked to not film players against their wishes. In some cases where the casino has a very liberal social media policy, you may be moved to another table. Casinos, like most businesses that are run for profit, are starting to encourage free coverage via the social media activity of the players. Where video capture is allowed, a blanket notice of possible filming along with a media release should be conspicuously posted. Yeah, it reminds me of all the times where I would go out to take photos of the magazine and people were just like, I don't want to be in the magazine. Nobody know I'm here. And I'm like, oh, but now you're going to do it on Twitter where a million people can see you? You know, that's tough. That's a tough thing, you know, because it's not really public in a way. It's still a private property that you're going on to. Right, it's not really public, so you have right, to... right. You know, I'm actually surprised that. Well, I mean, I let me back. I, I think uh, Ellie is right that there are casinos that um, have probably started to embrace social media more than I would expect they have because they're right. It's free coverage. You know, if you're like you know checking in on Facebook at Joe's Casino, now your friends know you're at Joe's Casino, and whatever your video is, which I'm sure is going to be some boring. And set of our set or something like that. Oh my gosh, I can't believe you've seen this. I'm like, yeah, well, we just saw it like 10 minutes ago in the show. Right. Um, it happens. Get over it. Um, but now, you know, that's that's free publicity. Now, obviously, as a poker magazine, we don't like free publicity. <laughs> we like paid publicity. So don't do that. Uh, um, but, um, you know, the old school thing for casinos, and I think most casinos still are like this, I mean, they're pretty heavy handed about taking photos. Yeah. You know? I always feel bad about these uh, these tourists that go to Vegas and they're like so excited the first time seeing the, the the real Eiffel Tower, not the fake one that they built in Paris, and um, you know taking all the photos and they go to the casino and they take a picture of the uh, uh, Titanic slot machine because it's got uh, Kate Winslet on it. Not that I've ever done that before. <laughs> and then the casino uh, the security guard comes over and says, hey, "Sorry, you can't be taking photos of the casino." And they're like, "Huh? What?" Because our whole world now is taking photos and posting, right? Yeah. But, um, all of that's because of privacy. So. Uh, I, I'm with Bob on this one that I, I, I don't want to be in someone's video there without my consent. So um, it kind of goes back to everything else, you know. Remember, you're not the only one at the table when you're flipping out your phone and taking video and stuff or taking photos. Um, you know, I really, I, 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 I'm i trying to think. I may have taken two or three photos at a poker table where it's not for the magazine. Right. Just playing. And when I do, I... I try to be really conspicuous, and I don't put anybody else in it. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just, it's like, you know, I have a, one a big pot, and you have that big chip, and you want to, like, you know, brag about it. Right. And, you know, you want to show that photo to someone, but I don't, uh, I, I'm not one of those that takes out my camera and does this big panorama of everybody around us, right? Yeah, no. And, uh, but but it's just a new generation of people now where they just don't have that, that, that sense of privacy that 
some of the uh, some older gray-haired people have. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, but there's certainly no reason not to speak up and say, "Hey, whoa, you know, huh? you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a paid extra on the set here. <laughs> right, <laughs> your, exactly. Your movie." Um, I'm sure somebody might get upset about that, but that's your right. I mean, you have a right to privacy there, even though you're in a public, a private uh, location. Um, and you know, hey, if the casino just want to help uh, maintain your privacy, you, know, you can tell them your displeasure by walking out, right? Yeah. So, but but I, I can't imagine there's any casino that's going to tell you that by playing their poker room, you are agreeing to be on some guy's Snapchat. Right. Right. Table. It's a different story if it's, you know, uh, they're filming a, a WPT final table or something like that. At that point, then they do have the signs up, and then you can choose not to play. But, but just at the table, and I think that's what, what Bob's here talking about, just at the table, somebody's, like, you know, taking a video of them for whatever reason. That's a different story. Well, times are changing, you know. Millennials are opening more things. They're they're not voting in elections. They're doing things <laughs> that, that you know that we wouldn't do. So who knows? But yeah, I agree with the privacy thing. If I don't want to be in someone's video and it's broadcast worldwide, don't put me on your video. And the other one too, I, I'm going to say I'm not one of these people that that gets in an uproar about uh, driver's license. I know other people do, and I'm not suggesting that if you're one of those people that you are wrong in any way. Um, there's been a lot of ID theft around. Yeah, right. So I understand why people are that, but it just hasn't been a big deal to me. But I think Ellie made a good point. You know, you you can't get a player's club card without showing a driver's license at one point, so that information is stored somewhere. Um, it does sound like this this casino is just being a little lazy asking for it again now. Um, but if you are really concerned about that, you know, just be sure you're staying with the person that <laughs> is asking for the driver's license the entire time, so you can be sure that no one else is looking at it. Yeah, and they're they're also making sure that you are who you say you are. How do they know you're not? Hey, take my player's card and go play tonight on my card. That way, I'll get more credit. Cause, well, you that's know, a good point too. So actually, they want to make sure you know who you are. So that's another reason. Yeah. Um, yeah. But hey, we got a brand new O'Malley's move. Here it comes. Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. We are down to three-handed in that same 50-person, $100 buy-in, no-limit hold'em tournament. The stack sizes are 30 big blinds for the big stack, we have 18 big blinds, and the short stack sits with 16 big blinds. The blinds post, remember, no antes in this tourney, and we look down at the ace of spades, ten of clubs. The Casenza. This is a strong holding three-handed, but we have been a little gun-shy lately, and just elect to call. The small blind, the player with 16 big blinds, makes it two and a half big blinds to go. This raise has become the standard now that we're short-handed. The big blind folds, and we make a few quick decisions. Knowing this player is probably the best at the table, I think this is a steal attempt, assuming we're weaker than we are. Knowing that, coupled with the fact that this player c-bets most flops, we come up with a plan. We will call this raise and his predictable half-pot bet on the flop, then take it away on the turn when he still has about 10 big blinds and we have some fold equity. There's six big blinds in the pot after we call, and the flop is a raggedy one. The nine of diamonds, five of hearts, deuce of spades comes down. The small blind predictably leads out for three big blinds, leaving him with ten and a half behind. We make the call quickly, leaving us with twelve and a half. The turn is the ace of hearts. Our plan is working out perfectly. We wait for our opponent to check so we can take it away from him, and he... shoves? 
our opponent shoves for ten and a half big blinds. If we call and lose, we're down to two big blinds. We've got top pair. What's the play here? It's time for the advancedpokertraining.com hand of the week. Send your hands or situations to podcast at magazine.com. If you haven't wanted something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership to advance poker training, the world's number one poker training site. Okay. We're not big words. I don't really have any excuse for messing one of them up. Uh, all right, this comes from Rich. Uh, first time I think he sent us a hand, so we'll see how Rich plays here. Cool. Uh, local $1, $2, no limit, hold them, uncapped home game with a dedicated dealer uh, that I've played in several times. The game is generally loose, with most players buying in for $300, a few $200, and occasionally over $1,000. Uh, host allows uncapped straddles, and about 50% of the hands have a 5 or $10 straddle in play. So not not your normal 1-2 game here, right? Wow. This is more maybe like a 2-5 or even a 5-10, I might argue. Yeah, probably 2-5 with the buy-ins. But. Uh, this hand happened to be the first hand of the night. The table is nine-handed. Uh, I'm in the hijack and bought in for 300 The button straddles for $6, so that means the action starts with a small blind who calls. Big blind folds uh, under the gun and under the gun plus one call. Uh, middle position player folds. Another middle position player calls. So we have one, two, three, four callers, right? Yep. And we're in the button with the king of hearts, four of hearts. Fold. Yeah, all right. Fold. I'm not playing his hand. Fold. Fold. <laughs> Probably we should have. Uh, you know, let's go back to the question about the biggest regret about it. You know, I think the, more, the biggest regret might have been not keeping stats on hand of the week on how many times players start with king hearts and four hearts and they end up winning the hand of the week. Yeah, fold. Probably pretty close to zero. I'm going to guess, right? Well, here's the deal. Okay, first of all, fold. Uh, but second of all, okay, let's say you've got your hand and you. What are you hoping to hit here? Three hearts? Okay, so maybe someone else has got a suited ace of hearts, and now you've got second best hand. You're hoping to hit a four? All right, well, maybe somebody's got a better pair than that. You're hoping to hit two fours? How do you know somebody didn't play ace rag, and that rag is a four, and they've got a better kicker than you? I mean, there's just so many problems with king four of hearts. And Scott used to like to play a suited king when he was younger, but he's yes. grown up since then. young, stupid days. Yeah, he doesn't do that anymore. Not that Scott's calling you stupid, because he's not. I'm just telling you to fold this hand. Yeah, I, I think you made it the, the the best case there is that what are you hoping for here? It just doesn't make sense. Now, I I would wonder maybe because it's a generally loose game that maybe these kind of hands are being shown down, and, and if you're playing too tight, you're missing out on value. So that might be the motivation to play this. But we got four callers, and I think we have a player behind us too. So. Um, this uh, six bucks might be we might be putting more than six bucks in here pre-flop or being asked to put more than six bucks let's just say right and here's the other thing too isn't there still a chance for someone to re-raise or raise again well that's what I'm saying yeah yeah, yeah. player behind us okay and good and if they raise then we, we might have to put in more than the six um, or it could be a couple more raises and then we've just thrown away six dollars for nothing if we end up holding again so yeah uh, I, I would be interested in the um, thought process and playing this hand uh, all right. Uh, he says, with four callers already in and the cutoff holding his cards out to muck, I decided to call. All right. So the guy looks like the last guy behind us. 
Oh, that's not the last guy. I guess we got two guys behind us. So, I guess it does help a twidge. Just a twidge. Is that even a word? Did I make? I don't. Uh, I don't think twidge is a word now. Okay. Well, it's a word now. Uh, okay. Just a twidge. <laughs> that, uh, I know there's one less person that can raise after me. Uh, it still doesn't change make our cards look any better to me. <laughs> right. Um. So our hero decides to call. Uh, the button raises fifteen dollars. <laughs> uh, raise your hand if you saw that coming. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, everybody's hands up? Oh, except for one. Okay, gotcha. All right. Uh, small blind, under the gun call. Um, the middle position folds, and back to us. Fold. <laughs> fold. It's just getting worse, isn't it? It's getting worse. Just I fold. think this is one of those third scenarios where people say, uh, you know, in for a dime, in for a dollar. Like that old <laughs> saying that doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> a dime and a dollar are drastically different, <laughs> you know? <laughs> If I if I go to buy something at a store and it's marked a dime and I go take it to the counter and she's like, nope, sorry, it's a dollar. Do I just, oh, okay, here you go. No! <laughs> put six in, now we're being asked to put another nine in on a hand that we shouldn't have put the six in. This is an opportunity for us to slap ourselves in the face and go, that was stupid. Let's call this a $6 mistake and let's not call this a $300 mistake. Yes. Not good. Uh, all right. Uh, our hero, of course, calls. Uh, <laughs> since I have no history uh, with a small blind or button, uh, but the middle position player is a solid tight player who rarely bluffs. All right. $60 in the pot. A flop comes the four of clubs, seven of diamonds, four of diamonds, and it's checked around to us. All in. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Is it, I thought this was the all in or fold tournament we were playing. Well, I'm sorry. Um, okay. Well, you got lucky. Again, you can still be up against an ace four. So, but we're not going to think that way. We're going to think we got we got lucky, and we uh, we look like geniuses now, and we're going to bet about two-thirds of the pot. So, there's a lot of people out there, so we don't want some, you know, stupid hand backdooring into something against us, or even some raggy four, you know. We want we want the raggy four to stick around, obviously. But I think if we bet two thirds a pot and there's a four out there, he's calling. So it doesn't matter. So right. Well, I but, think the reason we need to bet is we need to get some money in the pot now. Yeah. I think a lot of people would say, "Hey, I want to, I want to conceal the strength of my hand here." But you got some danger. You got some straight possibilities. You got some flush possibilities. Um, but the other thing that I think people tend to forget here is if we're up against an overpair here, that's the money we want right now, right? Yes. You have nines, tens, jacks, something like that. You're not going to go away here for a decent bet, are you? Right. So that's money we're going to make now. And obviously, you know, if they end up hitting their two outer, then that's going to be tragic. But um, we need to get money from people that are willing to put money in the pot right now. And if people don't have a hand that can improve, they're not going to put any more money in the pot anyhow. So let's just win it now, or let's let's not lose the opportunity to get that money from people before their hand improves. I agree. Alright, here it says I like my hand and would be fine taking it down right here, so I decided to make it 45 to go. Fair enough. Sounds good enough, I guess. Yeah, it's two thirds. It's about right. Uh, Button folds, small blind calls, and the middle position player folds. Alright, so we're heads up now with $150 in the middle. Um, And we, uh, both of our, our opponent and us both have 260 left. Turn is the 10 of clubs. So our board now is 4 of clubs, 7 of diamonds, 4 of diamonds. Ten of, I'm sorry, ten of spades. Ten of spades. One more time. Four of clubs, seven of diamonds, four of diamonds, ten of spades. And small blind checks to us. Bet half the pot. 
Is that good enough? Do I need to describe why, or is that good enough? We can't get... Uh, I mean, 1010 is a possibility of holding, but so are so many other hands that we have beat, so we can't slow down now because of that. Yep, right? yep. All right, Harris says, having no history against uh, him, I make the assumption by limping in first to act, he probably has a relatively solid hand, uh, but not a monster. I try to put him on a range. Small to medium pocket pair, suited ace rag, suited connectors and diamonds, or something like deuce trade, trade four, five, six, all of which he might have played pre-flop. I make it a hundred, 100 to go, and the small blind takes for about 30 seconds before calling. And we both go to the river with 160 now. Wow. R- river is the tray of spades, so our final board is four clubs, seven of diamonds, four of diamonds, ten of spades, tray of spades, and once again, our opponent checks to us. Um, what do we have left? 160? Uh, 160. And what's in the pot? Like, more than that, right? Yeah, pot, yeah it's 200 plus what we had, 350. I mean, it's hand of the week, so the guy's probably got some... Raggy for, or he's made a boat on us somehow or something. But I mean, I'm not not betting this. So I mean, I'm gonna probably make a value bet. Um, you know, like eighty or hundred again. 100, yeah, you know, sure. I mean, just because. And if he shoves, we're not folding for sixty dollars to win this huge pot. So right. I think that's what you have. It's pretty straightforward. And if he's got you beat, he's got you beat. Um, but it's it's gonna be tragic if it does. Well, the really thing that the only thing they could. <laughs> If he did get us beat, like, the trade helped him. Let's back up. If the trade helped him, this is the biggest mistake I think people make in poker is waiting for the other post person to bet, right? Now, we've been betting all the way, but that doesn't mean that we're going to bet again on the river. So if he didn't prove he had tray four or pocket trays and now he's got a boat, I think he would want to bet now, right? Right. He had pocket trays, maybe not. Maybe he's worried that we already have overset, but even that's tough to imagine. So... I guess what I'm saying is I, I'm not scared at all about getting my money in here, and it's possible that he has his beat. But if he does, I think he made a bad play check to us. But it doesn't change the fact that we need to bet. I think you know the reason why you bet here too is <clears throat> if he does have a random four, and you've been betting the whole way, you're making it seem like you've got an overpair to this, or you've got something you know that is just disguised or whatever. And you so he's going to call anything you do if he has a random four. If you happen to make a boat, that's one thing. But I mean, I, you can't not bet here because you're you're well disguised too. The odds of you calling that raise and recalling that raise again with a random four in your hand like this All is right. not. So you're going to think that you've got something you were being sneaky with, but it's too late. You've you've you know for them they're going to be like, oh, this is great. Guy's got queens and he slow played him, and I got this third four. I'm going to crush him here. So you got to make that bet because there's no way you're not going to bet in the end. The only way is if you knew this guy would shove on you to bluff because he missed something. But that didn't seem like that kind of hand. It didn't seem like he was playing it that way. So, But in that case, yeah. But other than that, no way. I'm betting every time. Sounds good. Let's see what happens. Uh, he says, up until here, I think I've played the hand fairly straightforward, and I'm pretty confident I have been ahead the whole way. With $150 in the middle and 260 be- oh, 260 behind. I thought he said 160 behind. Oh. Even so. Let me start with him for 300 yeah, we bet a hundred somewhere in there, so Yeah, no, I think he has wrong. So it is under CBM. I okay. feel like I have to either check or show. Alright, yeah, it has to be one six. I think about it for a while and I convince myself he might have either been slow playing a flop boat or his open ended straight draw got there. Either way, if I bet and he raises, I'd have to call. If he value bets and I call, at least I don't get stacked. Shoving may have been the better play, but I check. 
scan. Scroll down. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, small blind takes her out. Uh, oh, wait a minute. 15 wait. seconds and shoves his remaining stack in. Wait a minute. How is this possible? Wait, we're, we react after him, right? How can we check to him? No, he checked. He checked the river. And then we checked behind. I, uh, I'm lost here. Sorry. Sorry, Rich. <laughs> I don't really understand how the small blind gets to shove now after he checked and we checked. I thought we'd be at a showdown now. Isn't that how poker's played? Oh, maybe he just mistaked about the checks and the guy actually just bets out his stack. Either that or we didn't check. We actually bet something. Uh, so anyhow, uh, I tank for a while before I finally decide to call. Uh, I'm not jumping ahead here. I think that's what we would have done, right? Yeah, I mean, there's no way I'm folding anything here. Small boy flipped over the four of clubs, tray of clubs. Oh, man. His two outer scoops up six in her box. Uh, her says, I'd be curious how you guys would have played this hand. Uh, assuming that is if you would have played it at all. Well, <laughs> let's get rid of that assumption. Uh, it says, the game is usually profitable for me, but this night just wasn't meant to be. Midway through, I was two out of it again on the river in a $400 pot. The final dagger is the last hand of my night. Pocket kings versus queens, all in for a $740 pot. By the turn, on a ragged, unwet board. River queen. Ugh. Ouch. Ouch. Yeah, that four tray, I mean, it's hard to put him on four tray anyway because of all the action preflop. I mean, I guess he's the type of person that is the same thing where he game, so calls a straddle, it's a loose game, and then it's only nine more. Yeah, and then, you know, for 15, he's taking the flyer in a loose game. I, I'm not defending it, but I can understand it, right? Yep, yep. And then, of course, he flops, uh, trips, and he decides that they conceal, which I probably wouldn't, I think. Or did he bet and we raised? I don't think so. But uh, And then from there, he just let us walk the dog. Um, and then we, I don't really understand what happened on the river in the order of the, the sequence. But he must have bet out or something, or he has the positions wrong. But he must. Have, but even so, I, I can see them both playing it the right way. I mean, right. you've, you've yeah. made three fours, and we've bet it, disguising our hand, and he's called all along, thinking he's way ahead, and actually he's way behind. And then hits the two outer on the end to save his fat from the fire. <laughs> you were taking, you were taking a drink, and I made you come stuff come out of your nose there. I think that's what happened. That's what it felt like. Oh, uh, sorry about the loser there, but uh, you know you shouldn't have played that hand. Really, you really shouldn't have played that hand from the beginning. But I'm Chris Casenza. Yeah, we'll see you at the tables. Anti Up is a production of AntiUpMagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at antietmagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at antietmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network.